Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yahdi illa falamudillala wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides there is no misguidance for him and he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray, there is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashim al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind, O you who believe. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِ وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْعُقْتَةً مِّنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَوْ قَوْلِي Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 44, hadith 28, part 2. And inshallah we'll begin with the Arabic. And alhamdulillah, last week we took the narrator of the hadith and inshallah today we'll begin with the matan of the hadith. And inshallah, we can finish the whole thing. However, subhanallah, I am going through a little bit of a bout of tantalitis, which means that I'll get through as much as we can today, insha'Allah. Hopefully, bi'idnillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to finish this hadith today. But if not, if we can't, then we'll take as much as we can and continue on next week. An Abi Najihin, Al-Urbad ibn Sariya, radiyallahu anhu qala, wa'adhana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam maw'idatan, wajilat minha al-qulub, wadharafat minha al-ayun, فقلنا يا رسول الله كأنها موعظة مودع فأوصنا فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أوصيكم بتقوى الله عز وجل والسمع والطاعة وإن تأمر عليكم عبد فإنه من يعش منكم فسيرى اختلافا كثيرا فعليكم بسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين عضوا عليها بالنواجد وإياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل بدعة ضلالة رواه أبو داود والترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح إمام النووي رحمه الله states it was narrated on the authority of Abu Najih Al-Urbad ibn Sariya رضي الله عنه who said the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم delivered an admonition that made our hearts fearful and our eyes tearful we said O messenger of Allah it is as if this was a farewell sermon. So advise us. He, salawatullah said, I enjoin you to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you listen and obey even if a slave is made a ruler over you. He amongst you who lives long enough will see many differences. So for you is to observe my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided caliphs. Hold on to them with your mullah teeth and beware of newly invented matters for every bid'ah bid'a is an error narrated and collected by 
Abu Dawood and At-Tirmidhi who said this hadith is both sound and authentic. This hadith, subhanAllah, is يعني, one of the greatest hadiths which ensure that the believer is always holding on firm to the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and is always upon the methodology of the Prophet wasallam, and the rightly guided caliphs. And if we go into the hadith itself, it says, Arbad Nasari radiallahu anhu stated, Wa'adhana, Wa'adhana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam maw'idhatan wajlat minha al-qulub wadharafat minha al-ayun. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam delivered an admonishment. Yani, uh, a counsel, he advised us. He gave us a lesson that made our hearts fearful and our eyes tearful. Now, a wa'adh a wa'ad, an, an admonishment, is يعني, an advice or a counsel. And in the meaning of the shara' it has a broad meaning. It is to remind regarding the obligations and that which is forbidden. To remind regarding, regarding the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered what he has ordered us to abstain from. And usually it is done either through that which makes one fearful, at-tarheeb, or at-targheeb, that which encourages a person. So either an element of fear or an element of hope. It could be both things. The wa'adh can be both things. For this is a very general thing that means it's an umbrella term. And subhanAllah, everything comes under this. Everything comes under a wa'adh. Enjoining good, forbidding evil is a wa'adh. Teaching aqeedah is a wa'adh. Going through fiqh is a wa'adh. Everything that comes under this umbrella term can go under it, inshaAllah. Now the Prophet ﷺ would usually do this, as mentioned by Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, from time to time. It wouldn't be a daily thing. He would do it, from يعني, at periods of time and for a specific reason so that people would not become bored and people wouldn't be overwhelmed and subhanallah this was the same uh, يعني, example that the companions took يعني, there were certain companions that even when they had left Medina and the, tab- the tabi'een they were taking from them they used to ask them they say you know we, we miss you and we long for your talk and we long for your speech. And I believe it was Ibn Mas'ud who stated that I do this for a reason. I don't come to you every day for a reason. I don't give you this wa'ad for a reason every day. It's so that you don't become bored from it. And he said that the Prophet would do this from time to time. It wasn't a daily thing. But this is, the scholars take from this that it is from the example of the Prophet sallallahu to not to overburden the community with ensuring that every single time you have to be there and talk. يعني, you have to be there and give a lesson. And the lesson has to be long. And the lesson يعني, makes the dinner come late. And the lesson, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Whenever there's like a, for instance, a nikah or a walima or something, everyone is waiting for when it ends. Everyone is waiting, when's the food coming out? It's actually from 
the example of the Prophet not to always do يعني, daily and overburden the companions. And it was from his example to not go long. يعني, the, the adab of the khutbah of the Prophet was that his khutbah would be short and his prayer would be long. The khutbah would be short and the prayer would be long. يعني, one of our scholars, subhanAllah, when we were studying, he said that he had gathered all of the khutab of the Jum'ah of the Prophet And he said that the, I couldn't find one that was longer than about a page He said half a page was normal But a page was usually, that's what it would be And the prayer would be longer However today we have the at the, the khutbah is long And the prayer is really really short But that's a topic for another time Now Generally, when would the Prophet ﷺ do his wa'ad, his speeches, his admonishments, his counsel, his advices to the community? It would be after the prayers. It would be after the prayers. And in the narrations that we have of this hadith, this happened after the fajr, after salat al-subh. Then, Urbad Nasariya, he says, وَجِلَتْ مِنْهَا الْقُلُوبُ وَذَرَفَتْ مِنْهَا الْعِيُونَ That it shook the hearts. It made the hearts fearful and the eyes tearful. And this is يعني, a trait, two traits that are praiseworthy in the life of a believer. The first is that a heart that feels and it's alive, but it's also afraid and it shakes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Anfal verse 2 إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ That indeed the believers are those that when they are reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala their hearts are fearful. Their hearts are filled. Their hearts begin to shake in reverence and awe. It affects the heart And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah Ma'idah verse 83 وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when they hear what was revealed upon the messenger. You see their eyes filled with tears from what they know and accept to be the truth. And subhanallah, if you look closely to how the Prophet ﷺ would speak, you understand why the companions would have this effect. But it shows two things. The first is how the Prophet ﷺ would be powerful in what he would give. It wouldn't be a boring lesson ever. It wouldn't be a boring advice ever. Yani to the point where Jabir an, he states in a hadith that's found in Sahih Muslim, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِذَا خَطَبَ إِحْمَرَّتْ عَيْنَاهِ that when the Prophet ﷺ used to give a lesson or a sermon, his eyes would become red. His eyes would become red. 
and his voice would become louder. And and he would become fierce. And the, the first example that comes to mind when I hear this is back in the day, subhanAllah, when we used to go to the lessons of Shaykh Fayyaz, it would be this this way where he'd be fierce and his voice would be and in captivating. And this is from the Sunnah of the Prophet to be have passion in what you say, especially when it comes to the Quran and the Sunnah. And that it's not something that's meant to be boring. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. But the companions, subhanAllah, they said something they said that this was a uh, the, the companions عنهم, they said, Ya Rasulullah, it's as if this is a farewell admonishment. It's as if you're not going to be with us. It looks like this is the last thing that you want to tell us. So it means that there was something that was said by the Prophet which made the companions cry and made their hearts fearful. But we don't have in the texts, we don't have exactly which hadith it is. It could be a, a vast array of ahadith, but it's not exactly pinpointed what this hadith specifically was that made the companions fearful of this way. But subhanAllah, what I want to focus on now, just very briefly, is the companions in this hadith. One, it shows the quality of their hearts. It showed the status of their hearts. It showed the state of their heart. That when they were reminded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi would counsel them, their hearts would shake out of fear to the point where it would bring them to tears. Their hearts were alive. Their hearts were soft. Their hearts were in awe of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the message that he brought and they accepted the truth. This is only the thing that makes someone, يعني, their hearts يعني, become filled in awe and then for that to also then bring on them to cry. This is grown men. And you don't think of the Sahaba as young boys only. No, majority of the Sahaba were older, older generation. And you have to understand, these were people that back in the day, before they had entered Islam, they were highway robbers, they were killers, they were thieves, they were people that did things that were horrific. There were people that would kill their own family. And their daughters would be buried. This didn't come to another people. No, this came to the people whose hearts had been completely filled with hardness. And Islam came and removed layer by layer. And Islam removed everything that they had in the negative connotations and filled it with complete love, reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. And this entailed what? This generation became the golden generation. And subhanAllah, what's the first thing that happened? They begin to cry, their hearts are shaking, their hearts are fearful. Why? It's because they can also have the ihsas, the feeling that the Prophet wasallam is going to leave them, which makes it even worse. They say it's as if it's a farewell, as if it's, you're not going to be here anymore. What's the first thing they do in this state? When their hearts are fearful, 
when they're crying, when they also even acknowledge the Prophet himself, Ya Rasulullah, ka'annaha maw'idatun muwaddi' That's as if it's a farewell advice. What do they say after that? Fa'awsina. Give us an advice. Give us something that we can hold on to. And when you ask someone who you think is going to die, you want something from him that you will hold on to for the rest of your life. You want something from him that if he gives this to you, you need nothing else. And if the person is actually going to die, because the Prophet ﷺ didn't do inkar, he didn't say, no, I'm going to be with you forever. I'm, I'm, what are you guys saying? I'm just a little bit sick. No, he acknowledged that, yes, yani by giving them the advice, he gave them an advice that from him would be the most important advice that they would need. It would be the most important advice that he could give. And this shows you, subhanAllah, the companions, radiallahu anhum, they were eager continuously to learn, to take from the Prophet, وسلم, even when they knew that he was about to die. But what does the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? أُوصِيكُمْ بِتَقْوَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ I counsel and advise you to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> now, alhamdulillah, in one of the earlier classes, we covered the essence of taqwa, the levels of taqwa, and what taqwa entails. But generally, we'll go over a quick overview. Taqwa is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to those who came before us and to those who follow. It is a command to everybody. Taqwa is a command upon every, every son of Adam. Now taqwa, the scholars state, is to put a barrier, to put a barrier between the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this world and the hereafter. To put a barrier between yourself and the punishment and anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world and in the hereafter. What's the barrier? The barrier and protection is by following the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and avoiding that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. This is the barrier that you are putting in between you and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is done how? through following the example set by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that is taqwa putting a barrier between the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his anger in this world and the hereafter through following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abstaining through what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to abstain from by following the example of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam now, <clears throat> that is generally the concept of taqwa and we took in one of the earlier classes as well is that if you knew that a path would be filled with thorns then you would make sure that when you were going through that, يعني, that pathway to take your precautions just in case you would not fall into something that would harm you. And that is what the scholars state as being walking upon taqwa. Yani that you're fearful of something affecting you and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're fearful that the haram will come upon you. 
Inshallah, that is clear. Then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he states, was sam'i wa ta'a, to listen and to obey. To listen and to obey. Now, this generally, when it's mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, yani obeying the command of the leaders, this usually means to the leaders of the Muslims, or the Imam of the Muslims. Or those who have been appointed by the Muslim rulers. This occurs, this hadith is regarding the Muslim rulers. And listening and obeying, however, is يعني, not without any limit. It has boundaries. Listening and obeying has boundaries. It has limits that have been given to us by the Prophet and have been established and explained by the Muslim scholars that we have and it is that that the, the leaders and the rulers must be obeyed to that which is not a sin to that which is not a sin they must be obeyed and listened to upon everything that which is not a sin even if it is makroh even if it's something that is disliked but not a sin for anything that they order, anything that they ordain is something that it must be followed. And if it is a sin, then as taken from hadith that is found in the Musnad Imam Ahmad, that there is no obeying the command of any created being when it means that you have to encroach and sin against the one who is the creator. Now that is the general principle. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he states, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, ati'u allaha wa ati'u rasoola wa ulil amri minkum. O you who believe, O you who believe, obey Allah and obey the messenger and ulil amri minkum those who have been appointed leaders upon you ulil amri minkum those who have been appointed upon you as leaders now ibn qayyim rahimahullah and shaykh al-islam taymiyah rahimahullah have some beautiful points on this one is found in minhaj al-sunnah of ibn taymiyah rahmatullah alayhi and the other in alam al-muqa'in but the summary that which was يعني, summarized beautifully by Sheikh Saleh al-Sheikh, Hafidahullah, was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you look very closely in this verse, he يعني, establishes some very important points. The first is that the word ati'u, obey, was mentioned twice. Ati'u was mentioned twice. Obey, the command, was mentioned twice. The first, Allah wa ati'ur rasul. Obey the command of Allah and obey obey the command of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, that, and, and they explain, he says, that is because they are independent. They are absolute sources of jurisprudence. They are, yani, the complete setters of the law. And no one can reject the law of Allah and the law of His Prophet. But the word ati'u, obey the command, was not repeated a third time. It was not repeated for ulil amri minkum. 
for the rulers who are established upon you. Why is this the case? Is because when it came to the leaders, they are not absolute setters of the law. Uh, and يعني, there's a subtlety here is that total compliance is to the law of Allah and the law of the Prophet Muhammad As for the ruler, if his command is in line with the Quran and the Sunnah and is not a sin, then it continues and follow the command and obey the command of those who have been appointed upon you. However, this is not a blanket covering just how there is a blanket ruling on Allah and His Messenger. I hope that, any, that makes sense. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu, O you who believe, أَطِيعُ اللَّهَ Obey the command of Allah وَأَطِيعُ الرَّسُولِ And obey the command of the Messenger وَأُلِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ And those who have been appointed. The word أَطِيعُ was not يعني, repeated a third time. يعني, showing you that the command and obeying the obeying the command of the third is a bit different than the first two. The first two is something that is absolute, something that doesn't change, something that is not up to whether you see if one is correct or the other. It is all correct, the Quran and the Sunnah. However, third has to have a bit of a difference because they are either upon truth or they are either upon falsehood. If they are upon falsehood in regards to a clear-cut sin, then this is something that is not to be obeyed. However, if, and this is now we're going a bit out of the mawdu'ah, if for instance someone is a zalim, someone is an oppressor, is he to be obeyed or not? If he tells you to do something that isn't a sin, then he must be obeyed. If he tells you, even if he's unjust, if he tells you to do something that is, un, that is not يعني, encroaching on the laws of Allah, he tells you to do something, you have to obey. And this is why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, وَإِن تَأَمَّرَ عَلَيْكُمْ عَبْدٍ Even if a slave was put over you as a leader. Even if a slave was put upon you, you have to, even if you don't like it. If he's appointed as a leader and everyone accepts, you have to obey his command. There's no choice of whether you obey the command of the leader or not. And this is the leader of the Muslims. And you're not talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Um, then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, "فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِشْ مِنْكُمْ فَسَيَرَ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا." And whoever lives on, because again, this is a farewell advice of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he says, "Whoever lives on long enough will see اختلافًا كَثِيرًا, will see great difference." But I think at that, inshallah, we'll leave it and we'll continue next week. بإذن الله تبارك وتعالى وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم جزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah.